Welcome to the Relationship Road Trip, navigating the twists and the turns of all the important relationships in your life. I am Ben Azevedo, your backseat driver and your colloquially clever co-pilot. Say that three times fast. Colloquially clever co-pilot. I really crashed and burned over it. Oh, that's a good one. Nice tongue twister. I'm Dr. Don Fernando Acevedo, clinical psychologist, executive coach, and voiceover artist, your navigator. And I'm Kim Acevedo, licensed marriage and family therapist, your mechanic. Start your engines, drivers. Let's get going. This quote is by Dr. Howard Gardner. Extraordinary individuals fail often and sometimes dramatically. Rather than giving up, however, they are challenged to learn from their setbacks and to convert defeats into opportunities. Previously on the Relationship Road Trip, we reflected on how the show changed our own lives. Today, we are going to talk about multiple intelligences. Now, personally, I've barely have one intelligence. So what is this business about people having multiple intelligence? Is it like a multiple personality thing? No, no, not a multiple personality thing. This has to do with not necessarily one person having multiple intelligences, although you can, but that there are lots of different ways of looking at intelligence rather than the standard way that psychology has been doing it, which is intellectual intelligence or IQ is the measure. Multiple intelligences was postulated by Dr. Howard Gardner, who was a who is actually still a Harvard professor. He did that in 1983, which was also the year that I got married. How about that? And Gardner defines intelligence as a biopsychological potential to process information that can be activated in a cultural setting to solve problems or create products that are of value in a culture. I totally okay. zoned out while Dr. you were reading that. What? <laughs> Kim and I were both ready with the hot takes. We were too ready. We were both like, get him. <laughs> um, get me for what? Nothing. Just, it's a quote. But yeah. so yes. how do how does Dr. Don Azevedo define intelligence? In the multiple intelligence idea, we have a genetics that allows us to see the world in a particular way. And all of us have a variety of these things. We talked about this a little bit with the Highlands Ability Battery. Yeah, mine doesn't allow me to see color. That has to do with the lack of cones in your eyes. Right, but you said genetic abilities to interpret the world. My genetic abilities don't let me do the color thing. Yeah, well, so you're saying your definition of intelligence is a person's genetic ability to whatever they are born with and how they interpret the world. How they process information. And he adds into there that it's activated in a cultural setting that intelligence is required for the social interactions that happen amongst people, which is what makes us the dominant creature on the planet. There are lots of social creatures, so they have intelligence as well. Yes, one could argue that. This could get real philosophical real quick, huh? Sure, because one of the things that originally differentiated humans from animals was the use of tools, and yet now we've discovered that there are several animals that use tools. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's usually within a smaller range of application. Right. But right. It, it's not really a good indicator of our dominance or intelligence. And the, the key thing in all of that is that we can solve problems and create products that are of value to that culture. So we can recognize the needs of others in the culture and provide 
I thought you were about to say that we can solve problems and create problems because we can do that too. Yes, actually, many of our solutions are often new problems (laughs) that we've created for the world. Um, Also true for animals. Well, that's true too. Toast has many solutions to problems that cause her more trouble. I bet that's true. She wreaked havoc in my house. (laughs) What did she do? Oh, she was stealing food. She knocked over an entire box of biscuits. And so Jade did, is the one we who established ate them. That, yeah, that Toast didn't eat them all? No, she knocked it over and Jade ate them. Yeah. <laughs> She's an accomplice. Little, little piggy lady over there. Goodness gracious. Anyway, In any case, intelligence. Jade does not have any. So um, not everybody processes information the same way. And this is the origin of the idea of multiple intelligences. Yes. And, and he really wanted to capture the way people process information, that it, it wasn't what schools have traditionally looked at as intelligence, which is intellectual intelligence, which is really only associated with how well you do in school. Book he smarts. wanted to look at how people can do well in life, including school, but also other things. So he arrived at eight possible ones, seven originally, and then he added one. So oh, they are... Linguistic intelligence, logical mathematical intelligence, spatial intelligence, bodily kinesthetic intelligence, musical intelligence, interpersonal intelligence, intrapersonal intelligence, and naturalist. That's the one he added at the end. Naturalist intelligence. Do you feel like a handful of these would fall within the kind of school intelligence? What did you call that again? Intellectual Intellectual intelligence. Like maybe Um, linguistic, logical, mathematical, and spatial kind of falls within your classic school teaching type of intelligence. Yes. But then there are all the others. So let's dig into them. What is linguistic intelligence? So linguistic intelligence is referred to as word smart. So this is Papa, all the (laughs) fancy big words that he pulls out. It's the easy... Spelling champions. Right. It's the ease of processing spoken and written language. It's obviously one that I don't have with the way that I am incapable of speaking properly sometimes. I was about um, to say that, but I decided <laughs> not to roast you. It's all right. Roast myself. It's often associated with an ease of learning languages or using language to accomplish goals. They analyze information, create products involving oral and written languages. So think speeches, books, memos, that type of thing. Obviously, their strengths are found in words and language and writing. They may enjoy reading, writing, debate, giving persuasive speeches, and are really good at explaining things. They may also be humorous. But as we can tell, Dr. Don is not. So he's just straight linguistic intelligence, no humor. That's funny. Well, I was going to say, Kim, you really enjoy writing yourself. I do. Mm -hmm. And even though you frequently stumble over your own speech, you have a lot of other characteristics of this intelligence. That's true. So Um, I, I think actually my point with that was that even within the idea of multiple intelligences, You can have one and be fairly strong in it, but not necessarily present all of these attributes all of the time perfectly. Very true. You'll see people with linguistic intelligence most commonly in careers like lawyer, professional speaker, author, journalists, teachers. All of these are people who have very strong foundation in language-based skills. Cool. Are we tossing these back and forth? Is that the idea? 
Yeah. All right, Papa, take us away. What's uh, logical mathematical intelligence? So sometimes this is referred to as number smart. It's the capacity to analyze problems logically, carry out mathematical operations, and investigate issues using the scientific method. The very straightforward, let's gather the data, analyze it, that kind of thing. They tend to develop equations and proofs for concepts. They make calculations and enjoy that. They solve abstract problems by making them into mathematical or logical equations. So, of course, their strengths are analyzing problems and doing mathematical operations. They have characteristics like loving problem solving, needing problem solving in their life, like a dog chewing a bone. If they don't have one, they start chewing the windowsill. They enjoy abstract ideas and they love to conduct experiments. I love problem solving, but not with the numbers. Mm-hmm. Or the letters, frankly. If I have to deal with the numbers, please keep the letters out of it. Well, we might come to yours in another way, because remember, all of these intelligences are about processing information and solving problems anyway. But this particular group really loves the logical approach to it. All right. So this would be what, like mathematicians? Yeah. So these folks tend to have careers in like mathematician or accountant or statistician or scientist or computer analyst. There's a long list of of careers that involve this particular intelligence. I was just thinking about people always hating on accountants. Like, who wants to be an accountant? And where do accountants... Accountants work in, like, a place where accountants work. <laughs> it's like nowhere. I, uh, I love my accountant. Yeah. Yeah, same. I assume... I think that a lot of people, maybe like me, or maybe it's just because I'm this way, dislike hard math, just mm-hmm. pure math. Mm-hmm. And... So like an, an accountant, that career feels like a very practical application of pure math. And at least to me and to other people I have talked to, it's a who would want to do that? <laughs> but I have to assume that I know people who are accountants and I have to assume that they don't hate their jobs, that there's something about the logic and the problem solving and the numbers and the routine of that that they find pleasing in the same way that I edit podcasts. And that's the same thing over and over again, but it doesn't drive me crazy. And it would drive me crazy because I just zone out when people are talking like that. It maybe drives me a little crazy. Only when you're doing our podcast. (laughs) Then you have to listen to us chaotic folks. So yeah, that's math. Okay. Next one is spatial intelligence. Spatial intelligence can sometimes be referred to as picture smart. This is someone who has strengths in their visual and spatial judgment. They have the potential to recognize and manipulate the patterns of wide space as well as a pattern of more confined spaces. They might like assembling puzzles, interpreting pictures, graphs, and charts, and they recognize patterns really easily. The careers that you see people with this type of intelligence as a strength is actually pretty broad. So a pilot a surgeon, architects, graphic artists, carpenters, metal workers, sculptors, chess players, engineers, the list goes on, but you can see how broad across the fields that goes as far as how you can use visual and spatial intelligence. Cool. I don't think I have any questions about that. Papa, you got any questions? I don't have any questions. He what do you does. think, Ben? Do you think you have that one? Yeah. Is I don't that like your puzzles, one though. intelligence? Ooh. No, that's not his one. I We're know. coming to his. I know. No. <laughs> but yes. you got to do yours first. You got to do my intelligence. Is that bodily? Yeah. Bo- we can't say this one. Bodily kinesthetic? The BK. 
Yeah. All right. What's bodily kinesthetic intelligence? So this is sometimes referred to as body smart. It's the potential to use one's whole body or parts of the body to solve problems or fashion products. My fist to your face. That actually would be one where, you know, with the person who has this particular intelligence would learn how to move their body to punch you in the face more efficiently and effectively than somebody who didn't have this particular intelligence. Their strengths are physical movement and motor control. They tend to enjoy dance and sports, creating things with their own hands. They usually have excellent physical coordination. They tend to remember things by doing rather than hearing or seeing. And as a matter of fact, we have a friend who can pick up any sport and just seems to be able to do any of them very easily. It can be very frustrating <laughs> for those of us who are not particularly athletes. So the people with this kind of intelligence tend to be attracted to careers like dancer or athlete, even surgeon. Think about that. That's the confined space, the ability to see it. That's the spatial one. And to remember how to tie the knots when you can't see the knot. That's bodily kinesthetic memory kind of thing. So surgeons, mechanics and carpenters and physical therapists and sculptors again. This is another one where sculptors come in. I feel like you got to add like boxer and MMA fighter in now with the punch to the face example. That's an athlete, isn't it? That, that, that's true. true. <laughs> but a specific kind of athlete. <laughs> yes. The ones that Kim likes. <laughs> okay. Next one is musical intelligence. What's musical intelligence? That seems pretty self-explanatory, but... Well, and you should know it, Ben. This is your one intelligence. Oh, I hope not. I, I don't know how far I would get if I exclusively used musical intelligence for everything. You pigeonholed yourself by saying you only had one intelligence, and we know you that You pigeonholed this... me by not letting me pick which one I wanted. Fair. <laughs> that was a very linguistic response. <laughs> Musical uh, intelligence, sometimes referred to as music smart, is the potential to recognize and manipulate sound to convey messages or evoke emotions. Strengths are found in rhythm and music. I, big surprise right there, right? And characteristics of people with this intelligence, they enjoy making music. They recognize musical patterns and tones easily. They might remember songs and melodies. They'll develop a rich understanding of musical structure, rhythm, and notes. Surprisingly, someone with musical intelligence might find a career in music. Really baffling, I, I know. We weren't expecting that. So musicians, composers, sound designers, sound engineers, voiceover I, artists, music teachers, conductors, Foley artists. I feel like I would argue a little bit, or at least it's interesting to me that you have something like spatial intelligence that we were just talking about. And you mentioned how wide the range of careers is that can use that. And something like musical intelligence, or even maybe you could broaden that to audio intelligence, an intelligence through hearing, through that mm -hmm. sense. Mm -hmm. And it's really just roles that involve music or, or sound in a direct way. One of the things that's tricky about sound as someone who works in it is for many of us, it is not our primary sense. We tend to rely on our eyes. Mm -hmm. We look at things first. And we don't think as consciously about what we're hearing, even though we're getting a lot of information from it. So I don't know that I have a specific example, but I think there are a lot of other careers that someone who has audio intelligence or musical intelligence might find themselves in where they're using that sense more, that intelligence more. I think it comes into play a lot in communication. 
sensitivity to tone and to emotion being conveyed in the spoken word. I think you could certainly expand it and overlap with bodily kinesthetic and the other things into like dancers or actors, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. I just want to bring that up because I think it's a way that a lot of people not diminish audio, but it's never like forefront in your mind. Sure. I I think you're right. I use this particular kind of intelligence all the time in therapy to help people change their emotional state, calm down, do lots of different things. The pace and pitch of your voice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The rhythm of your words. Yep. Yeah. So I agree with you, Ben. It can be lots more than just music or typical kinds of music things. Okay. All right. We're down to what? The last three? Mm-hmm. Interpersonal intelligence. This is sometimes referred to as people smart. It's the capacity to understand the intentions, motivations, and desires of other people and work effectively with others. The strengths are, of course, understanding and relating to other people. Some of the characteristics you might see in someone with interpersonal intelligence are that they communicate very well, both verbally and non-verbally. They're able to see situations from different perspectives relatively easily, and they create positive relationships. They also tend to resolve conflicts between folks. If you're listening to this show, you're working on your interpersonal intelligence. That's exactly right. And also your intrapersonal, but I don't want to skip ahead. (laughs) Yeah, don't skip ahead because we need to do the careers. We got to go with the pattern. All right. So obviously uh, you could be a Dr. Don. Yeah. You could be uh, a teacher, Janice. A teacher, Janice. <laughs> coach Kim. Mm-hmm. You're not really, I, I know coach, but it was the alliteration it got me. <laughs> sure. Or a manager or salesperson, public relations, a diplomat or a politician. Any of the careers where getting to know people and understanding them quickly. I could have put on here and actually did and then erased it. A professional poker player. Oh, I mean, that's a career. Yeah. And you think that is more about interpersonal intelligence or number smarts a lot of careers are a combination of these you know, yeah that's true. examples that's true. just to, to help people see it but that would be both a number smart and the psychological or interpersonal ability to recognize nonverbal cues quickly one of the key things in a professional poker player is knowing when someone else is bluffing also being able to manipulate themselves so that they can appear to be bluffing when they actually have a strong hand thought it was to know when to hold them <laughs> No, that's you a musical intelligence. No wind to hold them. No wind to fold them. I think you could probably toss lawyer in here too, as a career that is familiar to a lot of people, I suppose. It seems like this would be pretty important. As I guess it depends on what kind of lawyer you are. But Right. So you're thinking trial lawyer. Yeah, I guess so. All right. So that's inter. How about intrapersonal? This is referred to as self-smart sometimes. It's the capacity to understand oneself, one's desires, fears, and capacities, and to use the information to effectively regulate one's own life. Strengths within this is the introspection, the self-reflection, characteristics being analyzing their strengths and weaknesses well, enjoy analyzing theories and ideas, excellent self-awareness, understand their own motivations and their own emotions. What careers they might see with this therapist, psychologist, counselor, entrepreneur, clergy, scientist, Don. Come on now. You're now Are y'all a trying to tell me that I have all of these? That you're an incredibly intelligent human being? Yeah. So last episode, we were working on our intrapersonal intelligence. 
It's true. Yes. I guess both, but we were reflecting. What other careers use this? Let's like break out of the box a little bit like we were doing with musical intelligence. What's an unusual career that would leverage this? A dancer. So any leader in a corporation, a dancer, yeah, that's true too. But any leader in a corporation who is really good at it spends time understanding themselves and the effect that they have on the people around them. This will increase their effectiveness exponentially. There okay. are a lot of leaders who don't do this, but yeah. Yeah, it's an expansion on entrepreneur, yeah. Going along with dancer, uh, artists generally yeah. would have, I think, tend to have strong intrapersonal intelligence. What other kinds of jobs require a lot of self-reflection? Animal handlers. That's actually true. If you're going to work with traumatized animals, mm -hmm. you have to be pretty in control of your own emotions or else they'll eat you alive, literally. Okay, last one. Bring us home. Naturalist intelligence. What's the smart for this? Is this plant smart? Animal <laughs> smart? Yeah, actually, it could be. So this was added late and it doesn't have that kind of appellation. So we can make it up. It's eco smart. Can can you ego, ego smart? Eco with a C. Oh, eco. <laughs> That's good. That's good. I like that. Eco, eco smart. smart. Can I define appellation? No, not like a dictionary. I sure can't. No, I think he was asking me to start to define naturalist intelligence. It's like, I get what you mean, though, because I got them context clues. Right. It's the naming of a thing. Yeah, a naming. Right. So you want me to do this one, Kim, or are you going to do No, I, I was allowing the moment for that to complete. So naturalist intelligence, we're going to call it eco-smart because that seems cool, is the propensity for recognizing and classifying the flora and fauna around them, as well as the ecosystems and weather. They'll recognize the interplay between animals, plants, and environment. And this one was actually added after the original seven intelligences and has had many challenges. What are some of those challenges, Papa? That this is not really an intelligence, that it doesn't meet Gardner's criteria for how to include something as an intelligence. Although I can see that. I'm curious. That's why I'm curious what the challenges were, because I'm also curious how Gardner defended it. It does seem a little more like weirdly specific than some of the others. Think about somebody like Charles Darwin or Jane Goodall. Neither of them were particularly trained as naturalists, as somebody who would go out and look at the flora and fauna of a place, but they were super fascinated by it. Jane Goodall went out as a young woman, assigned to look at some chimpanzees, and then discovered more about chimpanzees than anyone else in the world ever, because she had this kind of intelligence, the ability to watch and analyze and collect information, look for patterns. Even Steve say, Irwin. Even Steve Irwin, right. I don't know what his training was, but it wasn't, I don't think he had like deep training, like a yeah. doctorate or anything. But it doesn't really matter about the training because we're talking about like surgeons and right. stuff and the other thing. They obviously have tons of training, but it's the right. intelligence that's based on. So yeah. I guess I don't have a personal stake in this, but like to me, someone like Darwin or Jane Goodall would be perhaps like a logical intelligence because of the way Darwin categorized and paid attention to generations of birds and was like mm -hmm. looking for these minute differences. But that then lends itself to the more spatial, like visual acuity. So like a blending of those intelligences, but it just applied to the thing he was passionate about, which was nature. So it seems interesting to me to split it out into its own thing. But again, I don't, have a huge stake. Sure. And, and you can make that argument for many of these. Like, why is this an actual intelligence instead of just an ability or a tendency or a propensity 
Well, um, which one, which other one would you make that argument for? I feel like they all stand up to being distinct enough. None of them are tied to an external subject is what it is. I guess right. linguistics is. Music. And math is too. And so is music. No, no, no. But okay. But remember, we were talking about music being auditory. It's tied mm-hmm. to a sense, right? Sure. Mm-hmm. Spatial is tied to a sense. Yeah. Linguistic and mathematic are tied to things that humans have created, but they are like large scale interpretations of the world, which I guess maybe that's a good argument for the naturalist thing because it is like the non-human world around you and and a large scale interpretation of that. Right. Yeah. And seeing the patterns in the, the natural world out there, which I think is a a particular intelligence, but I, I fall in the direction of saying, yes, it is. But there Um, have been a lot of criticisms Oh, I'm sorry. Did, we didn't finish that one, did we? We didn't. No, I wanted, we mentioned the challenges, so I wanted to dig into what they were. So yeah, there are a lot of challenges. It is kind of a confusing one of, as we've been looking through it. The characteristics that they show are their ability to categorize and catalog information easily. They might enjoy camping, gardening, hiking, being outside. This might be someone who's interested in botany, biology, zoology, ecology, a lot of the ologies, and they might dislike topics that don't have a connection to nature. So for them, maybe math is one of the harder things because there's not that direct connection. But if you found a way to link the two, they might really enjoy math because there's a lot of math associated with biology and meteorology and all of these different things. People who have this type of intelligence might head towards careers like a botanist, a biologist, astronomers, meteorologists, geologists, conservationists, or a farmer. Speaking more to the types of intelligence and just how they, I guess, the argument for this being a type of an intelligence is if you just took 60 random people and were like, start a farm. There are a lot of people who don't understand the interaction of different animals, different plants, and all that stuff. And for some people, it really is. You very clearly wouldn't plant green beans next to your corn. I have no clue if that's true, but I think it is. I'm pretty sure it is. I don't think there's a farmer on this show. There's not. Please cut that. I don't believe in my own intelligence now. But for some people, it's just very obvious that these particular environmental systems don't go well together. I did look it up. So Steve Irwin did not have any degrees. He went to high school and that was it. I just looked up, can you plant green beans next to corn? And it's actually the opposite. Apparently all three of green beans, corn and squash enjoy being planted. I knew there was a thing with green beans and corn. Okay. (laughs) It's something about the three sisters method. Okay. I think you're using the corn actually as the trellis for the beans and then the squash is like in the shade at the bottom. Okay. That makes, I just knew that there was a connection between the two. I didn't know what it was. There you go. I I do not have a naturalist intelligence or I don't have a very strong naturalist intelligence. Yeah. I don't think any of us do. (laughs) Nope. I'm a city kid. I have a naturalist intelligence for fish and that's true. Specifically water-based ecologies. Yeah. But that's I like it. desert plants. There you go. There you go. All right. That's all the intelligences. We got through them. What if I don't believe in any of this? Then you might be a cognitive psychologist or a, a psychometrician. <laughs> I might be. Hey, surprise. I'm actually a cognitive psychologist. <laughs> you guys didn't know. I've been, This has all been 
my long game. Secretly going to school for that, that doctorate in cognitive psychology. Yes, so that's the, Dr. Ben Azevedo to you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, Dr. Ben. All right. And they argue that there's no empirical evidence for the validity of the theory. The challenge is that Gardner's criteria for differentiating what would be an intelligence that would be included in this and which ones would be excluded from it, that criteria is strongly supported by evidence in psychology, biology, neuroscience, and a bunch of other sciences. So if the criteria is empirically based, then the findings, the deduction from that is also reasonable. Gardner actually accepted the criticism of there's not enough of an operational definition of each of these. Yeah, they blend into each other a bit. Right. And a so lot of people have multiples. If you're going by these traits, then it's pretty rare to find somebody who just has one thing. Yes. And that's actually part of Gardner's argument is that people have multiple kinds of intelligences and the integration of those is what helps direct them into the areas that they're most interested in and copacetic with. How about that? Another big word for you. And so Gardner has since then tried to operationally define these so that they become easier to measure. Cool. How does this get used in the real world? Who's, who uses this? Educators, because they observe students, they took Gardner's ideas and that said, yeah, I see yeah. this in my kids. There are kids that do this better and that better, and they have this propensity. And so just from their experience, they were validating Gardner's work. And so they redid their curricula so that it included lots of different ways of presenting the material that would perhaps tap into different kids. That's why my third grade teacher made us learn how to crochet. <laughs> Listen, that's yeah. how I learned my times tables. There you go. Got real good. You crochet, you do times tables at the same time. So yeah. Stitch in time saves nine. Which is interesting. I was just thinking about this and that could have also been listed under bodily kinesthetic as people who do crafts like that. So knitting and crocheting and clothes making, tailor and alteration, stuff like that. Because that is really based on your ability to do fine movement and remember how to do the movements. So technology has also made it possible to individualize education and target a child's natural way of learning and processing information. This does not suggest that a child has just one intelligence, like we were just saying. The best results have been from children experiencing information presented in various ways and where they have a variety of ways to demonstrate that they have learned this information. Einstein's quote, if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree... It will always be stupid. What is this quote? <laughs> it's it will close. always be stupid. <laughs> it's very close. You stupid fish. I like how that's like my number one Einstein thing that I Google. If you judge a fish by a tree, it will always be stupid. All right. Correction. The correct quote here is, everybody is a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing that it is stupid. There you go. Okay. Hopefully... Everyone enjoyed this episode on multiple intelligences and uh, longtime listeners might see some relationships between the types of intelligence and the Highlands ability battery that we talked about way back at the beginning of this season. Did you identify with a particular kind of learning or intelligence? Let us know on Facebook. We will see it and maybe start a conversation. Next week, we are going to talk about resilience and how it relates to intelligence. So don't forget to tune in on Wednesday. And until then, enjoy the drive. Thank you for listening to the Relationship Road Trip. We hope you enjoyed the episode 
and we want to know what you think. So write to us at questions at afpsych.com. You can also support the show by rating and reviewing us on iTunes or subscribing with your favorite podcast app. You can find more episodes of the show at relationshiproadtrip.com or wherever you download podcasts. The Relationship Road Trip comes out every Wednesday at 7 a.m., so don't forget to tune in next week. The Relationship Road Trip is brought to you by Azevedo Family Psychology, where they are dedicated to helping you create a life worth celebrating. You can learn more about their services at azevedofamilypsychology.com. This podcast is produced by Bear Cave Audio. Bear Cave Audio provides a range of audio services from original composition to podcast recording and editing. To learn more, go to bearcaveaudio.com or email ben at bearcaveaudio.com. Until we meet again, may the road rise up to meet you. May the wind be always at your back and may the sun shine warm upon your face. Thank you.